This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Manchester is Red podcast brought to you by the Manchester Evening News. My name is Dan Murphy, and joining me today is Mr. Samuel Luckhurst. Samuel, how's it going? Not bad, thank you, Dan. How are you? Yeah, I'm not too bad at all, Paul. Not too bad at all. Um, and also with us today is Mr. Tyrone Marshall. Ty, how's it going? Very good. Thank you, Daniel. Very mm-hmm. good. Good stuff. Well, as I said at the start, Manchester is red, but unfortunately, Samuel, it was the red of Middlesbrough on Friday night, painting the city of Manchester. Well, United are at the FA Cup, fifth round. It's another trophy that they're not going to win this year. And, you know, the chances of them winning one was already quite slim. Champions League is their only hope now, uh, so literally none. Um, it's another new Nadir, Samuel, 1-1 um, in after 120 minutes. Sancho's goal cancelled out by an actual United fan in uh, Crooks. Um, hit a goal that should not have stood, <laughs> really, with the handball. And there was missed penalties, there were sitters. And then eventually there was Anthony Langer, Sky in his penalty over the bar. And... <laughs> United, I feel like, just never never fail in finding new ways to just make you go, ah, here we go again. Yeah, they, they do find original ways to, um, to have a new crisis to manage. And the latest one was allowing two senior forwards additional time off while a 19-year-old forward ends up endangering spectators in the Stratford end, unfortunately for him, and then been subjected to some racial abuse from from online lowlifes, uh, which I'd, I mean, a colleague said it in the press room after the game that 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 was likely to happen. And sometimes you you you're so focused on your work that you you forget that 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 has become a, a depressing subplot of, of things like this, and it's it's happened before, and sadly it will happen again. But in terms of the match, it it, it was really quite apt that. It was a missed penalty that decided that game because the Middlesbrough goalkeeper is one of the worst opposition goalkeepers I've seen at United in in, in a long, long time. Um, I don't think he had. A, I don't think he made a single save that was outright impressive. It was a case of United hitting the ball at him. Uh, Rashford's finishing. It's it's been quite well documented that he doesn't really mix it up too much, which is what made his goal against Brentford so impressive last month. It was the kind of finish that he's not renowned for, but too often he literally just just does take a punt. Um, Ronaldo hasn't scored for a long time now, well over a month. Uh, after he missed that penalty, his his whole play was just so unnatural. He was just so desperate to score because he'd squandered the penalty opportunity. And I think he actually became worse. He was probably United's poorest uh, performer all night. As soon as Fernandes hit the post, at that point, I thought... Yeah, this, this might be Middlesbrough's night. It might the, the, the FA Cup might even have their name written on it, the way the game went. And, of course, the, the goal itself was, I think any pure football follower would look at that goal and say, that shouldn't stand. Um, the handball rule has been problematic for so, so long. The, the amount of times they changed the definition of it. Uh, I think when you used to have the, the, the deliberate wording in it, 99 times out of 100, when it is handball, a player has not deliberately thought, you know what, I'm going to play handball here. I'm not going to play football. But there are times where 
if if a handball is so flagrant, you, you you've got to just you've got to give it. And that was the case with with Duncan Watmore's and this whole rationale that if he'd scored it would have been disallowed but because he teed up crooks it shouldn't have been disallowed I, I just can't get my head around whatsoever but unfortunately these these referees are just so out of touch it seems with with football in general and we've got the worst set of officials in, in England in my lifetime but it shouldn't have come to that because United were so dominant in the first half and so so frivolous with their with their finishing that they they put themselves in that position and again it was quite apt that the only goal that they scored all night all night was was via a deflection it wasn't even a clean hit from Sancho who who'd otherwise played well and th- those evenings can happen uh, they've happened to other clubs before um, City had one many years ago against Wigan when Wigan somehow won uh, at the Etihad in I think the FA Cup quarter final it might have been but. For United, it's 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 just another um, it's, it's just another chastening night on, 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 in a season of, of chastening nights. It, it, barely a month can go by without them having a pretty galling uh, home defeat. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, as we just said, there's like kind of a lot of caveats to this game. Like the goal shouldn't have stood. I mean, as you were saying there, Samuel, he might not have meant it, it might not have been deliberate, but when it so clearly benefits the player, it has to be a free kick. There can't be no other way. It's not like it was next to his hand, was next to his hip, and it's like bounced up. You cannot kind of see it. His hand was outstretched. And, you know, what happened to the unnatural position and all that kind of gobbledygook we had a couple of years ago. So it's just, there's no rhyme or reason to it. But there's so many caveats like Fernandez missed that absolute sitter, Ronaldo missed the penalty, Rashford misses one as well, tie. But, Despite all these caveats, United shouldn't need them at the end of the day. It's a championship team who might be doing a pretty well under Chris Wilder at the minute, who was a good Premier League manager and a first season and a spit at Sheffield United before kind of COVID derailed them. They might be doing well, but at the end of the day, they're still a championship team with not many recognisable players of such a high quality. And United shouldn't be needing to rely on excuses to kind of be able to brush that sort of defeat under the carpet. And I think, I think the FA Cup, not there's been a great FA Cup this year. Like, there's been loads of upsets as this one was, and it's been you know the West Ham game the other day was really good as well. But I think what where the magic of the cup is dying is that no, it doesn't feel like the care United care that much, or it, it's just kind of been brushed aside. It's not really it's not really become the crisis it could have been when United. You know, I don't think that many people are that bothered that they've sacrificed another chance at a trophy because finishing the top four is probably and more likely it is the more important aim this year. Uh, yeah, I mean, to a degree, it, it is obviously with the riches that are offered with the Champions League, and, and we know that's important for United um, for many reasons, financially and for the players they've got. A lot of those players uh, are not going to enjoy a season out of the Champions League, but they still feel they're a strong team to to win that game. I mean, you've got Varane, Ronaldo, Fernandez, and Pogba starting against against Middlesbrough. It was certainly a strong enough team. It certainly showed that they care about it. I think there hasn't perhaps hasn't been a full on sort of. Well, I mean, part of the reason there's not been full-on crisis is because, I mean, how many crises can you have in one season? Um, you know, it, it, there's there's been varying levels of crisis this year. The performance wasn't, I mean, it wasn't their worst performance of the season by any stretch of the imagination, not even close. It, it had damning elements to it, but for 55 minutes, it was a walk in the park. They were in cruise control and should have been out of sight. It was just, it was really easy for 55 minutes. We were saying in the press box how comfortable it was for them and how it looked like being a, a routine night. The startling thing, as we've seen so often this season, is that when things go wrong, they just can't, they can't recover, they can't shake it out of their system. 
they still had chances after going to after conceding the equaliser, notably the one Fernandez somehow contrived to miss, but they were clearly inferior after the equaliser compared to before it. And too often this season, this team's taking blows and just not being able to recover and not shaking out their system quick enough. And that was the most damning element. They did, they did miss a lot of chances. They should have put it out of sight. That happens to every team. Every team will have games where they miss chances. It's happening to United probably too often. They're not scoring enough goals this season for the firepower they've got. But there were positives. Pogba did all right on his return. Thought Sancho had a, a good game and looked like he really stepped forward. United are going to need him this year. So, it, you know, it, it, when it gets to penalties, it's it's anyone's game. I mean, it would help if United had a goalkeeper who could save penalties, but it is pretty much anyone's game when it goes to penalties. So I don't think there was a, a full-on sort of crisis talk. And like you say, it's... There were in the kiosks. There were in the kiosks, yeah. yeah. That's, <laughs> the, the crisis talks were at the tills not working at half-time. I mean, we are in the realms of what can go wrong, will go wrong for, for United at the moment. Mm-hmm. And that just kind of... That kind of summed it up, not being able to sell pies at half time. But um yeah, beyond that, you know, it wasn't a disastrous performance. The, the most concerning elements, the most concerning element for me again was the fact that this team just hasn't for a team that has got so many winners in it, so many players who've won big individual and team trophies, collectively, they just can't take a blow. And and that was on show again. Yeah, hundred percent. I think you're right there. There's just no real character and you know. Ronaldo, and he did well to come back and absolutely smash his penalty in. So fair play to him on like an individual level. But there's just no one who takes the game by the scruff of the neck anymore. And this is probably a conversation that's been had ad nauseum for the last 10 years in United circles or maybe even longer since Keane left. But you look at West Ham, as I mentioned earlier, you look at the impact Rice made when he came on at halftime. West Ham were losing to a non-league team. They were all over shop. They weren't making any chances. Rice comes on and he takes charge. He gets the ball. He's driving forward. He's finding the space in a tired defence. He makes two chances that I think Ben Rama misses. And then in the last minute, he goes, you know, my turn now and absolutely whacks it in the net. And they go on and win. They are, for a player so young, and it's a rare quality in fairness to United, but Rice is a player that United don't have in a minute and, and several quality uh, several aspects of his game, but I think another one that became clear on Saturday after United's defeat, when they just looked so kind of listless, was the the quality of leadership, the guts, the gumption, the kind of responsibility to go and take the game. And it was, yeah, I think that, that was the biggest kind of sad thing or the, the most disappointment from United is that the performance itself wasn't that bad. You missed chances by the bar, but there was just no one who really kind of took it upon themselves to go and win it. And, you know, it's the same. It's been the same old story for a while. As we said, Samuel, Sancho looks decent in points, but, you know, it's, it's his games looking decent have been few and far between. And again, it's another team again in a lower level. And then there is Pogba coming back. So there were a couple of positives, but as you, as you touched on earlier as well, the negatives really kind of stand out, especially with kind of Cavani and Lingard, as you've said on this podcast several times. You understand why everyone loves Cavani on the pitch because he's probably what he probably might, he is the kind of player who does take responsibility and is a big character, but he's just he's just not there enough. And who can blame him for maybe wanting an extra week holiday every now and then? But it doesn't really fly at the kind of the biggest club in the world. Inverted commas. No, and some people try and make excuses for it and say that well, he's is he thirty four, nearly thirty five. He needs to manage his body, and and I get all that, but there's a principle to it as well. Uh, You go back to 2009 and Tevez arrived back in Manchester on a Friday evening after playing in Bolivia with Argentina, and he was starting for United against Aston Villa less than 48 hours later, and this was when he was into his last 
his last days as a United player, that the next month he was pretty much taunting Ferguson after scoring against City by cupping his ears and just kind of like saying, look how much the crowd adore me, but you won't sign me up permanently. So if you've got someone like Tevez, who obviously then went on to City and was dubbed a mercenary that summer, showing that level of commitment, what, what do you make of Cavani? When he crosses the white line, his commitment is is undeniable. You saw it earlier in the season when he chased that ball down, which looked like it was going out for a goal kick against Real, and he, he just about salvaged it. And that's that's what you get from him. Um, he, he is a brilliant player to watch. Uh, the, the matchgoers have enjoyed watching him and singing his name this season. He is a, he is a centre-forward, old-fashioned centre-forward in a lot of ways, that was always going to have a bond with uh, those supporters. And you saw that again with, with the West Ham winner when he teed up Rashford and uh, that, that footage of him taking the acclaim, or not taking the acclaim, but just absolutely you know, euphoric at United getting a, a last-minute winner. And that's that's the, that's the ambivalence I think a lot of United fans have with Cavani. There's that side to him, but then there's also the guy who just cries off really um, quite often uh, and, and, and is unwilling to play. It, it's... Yeah, his United career pretty much started that way. He came out of quarantine and trained ahead of the PSG game at the start of last season. And uh, rather surprisingly, he wasn't included in the squad. Then you had the situation, as I've documented, ad nauseum really last last year when he was the medical staff were declaring him fit. He was declaring himself unfit uh, to play games. In the end, it worked out well because he had a brilliant run in and he had his contract extended. But then in the summer. It's eight weeks off after the Copper America and there was a suggestion that he could have been available for the Southampton game in August, but apparently he didn't want to be involved that game. He didn't feel as though he was in the right conditions to play. And then you've got this latest one where he's, he's decided to spend um, additional time in, in Uruguay and there's, there's doubtless mitigation behind it. It's, it's not great going to a a new country and living there and been holed up in a place that even staff at United nicknamed COVID Towers uh, when, when there's pretty much a lockdown. Uh, I think when, when Cavani joined United, England was not in a, a normal state whatsoever. And, you know, there were some pretty lonely months last season as well. And he's, he's away from his family, etc. We saw with Sanjo recently, his performance at Villa, he was, his body was on the pitch, but his mind was elsewhere. And then it transpired. He'd had a, a bereavement in his family and of course the club have shown understanding with, with Victor Lindelof's situation as well where his wife and their two young sons had to hide from burglars breaking in so there is mitigation there uh, with, with certain uh, issues like that and I'm sure there, there are issues uh, personal issues that Cavani has mm-hmm. but this is not the first time it's happened and that's why with with Sancho and Lindelof in those those situations you entire you're inclined to give them more slack but with Cavani it's just happened too often he's missed too many games and ultimately that that probably made Chris Wilder's team talk like this guy couldn't even be bothered to play against you lot that that's what and and they let they let him have this time off as well so what must they think of you so um if if he used it as a motivational tactic which he probably should have done or would have done given how how Wilder can be uh it, it might have worked in the end Why do United kind of indulge Cavani? Do they have a choice? Like, if he says, I'm not playing, I don't feel I'm fit. And then they say, well, you are fit. You're playing. Or, or would that just kind of break down our relationships completely? Like, I don't think I've ever seen a player kind of get so much leeway in how amount of time he gets off and the amount of time he can declare himself unfit. 
and maybe I'm just kind of been blinkered to other teams where this has happened, but it just seems like a really unique situation where United have been so kind of um, uh, fair to him. I, I presume he's got family in South America that he rarely gets to see. So when he's there, he obviously wants to spend as much time with them as possible. But I just, it just, you know, it just doesn't seem like any other player gets in any team that I can see gets this sort of um, treatment and isn't called for it. You know, you see uh, fairly often players getting fined from late returns. It's pretty much what sort of kind of ended Aubameyang's stay at Arsenal, didn't it? Being late from returning um, to, on a trip back to France, I think it was. So it just seems weird that, you know, did they have any kind of say in the matter or is it not worth upsetting relations with six months left in his contract? I mean, I think with Arteta, one of the the biggest attributes of him is that he does seem like a disciplinarian and whatever the logic or the, the reason behind his decision-making with certain players, like Ertzel, I suppose, is, is the most famous or infamous in terms of exiling a player. Um, I think he, he, that was the right call because Ertzel was just a busted flush at Arsenal and, and, and he had been since he'd got a new contract. And... Arsenal have this tendency to dole out exorbitant contracts to players and then they just stop turning up effectively. And that seems to have happened with Aubameyang as well. And he's he's, he's not happy about it whatsoever, particularly probably in Aubameyang's case and that he got that contract on Arteta's watch. With Cavani, I think it's just, that's the culture at United. It's a comfortable culture. Um, you know, in terms of giving players time off, I mean, Fer Ferguson would, would do it occasionally, but there was some method to it. Uh, midway through the treble season, Peter Michael had had a very, very poor first half of that season. He dropped an absolute clangor at Sheffield Wednesday, I think, in the November. And he was effectively told to, well, not effectively, he was told to go on a beach and just take a week off in, in Barbados, which is what he did. And then, of course, his impact... Um, in, in the running was was huge in terms of the saves he made in the final and the save from Burkamp in, in the semi-final at Villa Park. But that's that's a manager having you know a stranglehold on things and being able to manage those situations. There's only so much Rangnick can do, but it was Rangnick's decision. Um, he, he allowed Cavani that extra time off. And I suppose from his perspective, he thought, yeah, we've, we've got Middlesbrough, we shouldn't need him. We've got enough attacking players, but it is the principle of it. And... Cavani's only been at United for 18 months. He's not like a he's not he's not going to be a legend. I think he'd only be a legend, I suppose, if he scored the winner in the Champions League final, which seems a, a real stretch. And this this is just the culture that they talk about the cultural reset, United. This this is it. Just, you know, millennial players moaning about what the manager said on social media, other players taking liberties. Uh it's just as well a few of them are leaving in the summer and they'll have a new manager to parachute in and then it's his problem. Yeah, definitely. Like Ty, what's your take on it as well? Because like for me, it seems like discipline and you know, it's Roy Keane coming back into management could be like a very good litmus test of this, um, if he does kind of join Sunderland. But it does seem like the um the classic kind of dis disciplinarian role just doesn't really suit modern not even just modern football, but modern sports. We've just seen um Justin Langer leave Australia um, from a seeming breakdown um, between his players and himself because he's such a kind of strict and uh, disciplined coach. Is it, is it just kind of a different world there where you need to be more slight with the players or you'll just kind of get a complete revolt? I think it's a case of, of knowing, for any good manager, knowing who you're managing, really. I think there's certainly a case that those, it's the same in any industry, those management methods of dishing out rollickings and, and being a disciplinarian doesn't really suit 2022 I don't think it's the way things are done anymore but it's not just about being a disciplinarian really 
I mean, if a player asks for two extra days off and you need him for a game, you tell him, no, that's not being disciplined. That's just common sense. There's certainly an argument that, that you know, it adds, it adds, and whatever happened with Lingard and, and the miscommunication there, it adds, it adds credence to the idea that no one knows what the hell's going on at that place, that the players are, are, are ruling the roost, really. <clears throat> you know, you just can't imagine either of those things happening in, in Ferguson's day, really. You know, Cavani is... He played on the Tuesday night. He played 87 minutes, I think, across international duty. He played 66 minutes on the Tuesday night, obviously late on the Tuesday night in in the in UK time. But there's, there's absolutely no reason he couldn't have been back on the Wednesday, maybe done a light training session on the Thursday and come on an extra time on, on Friday. There's just absolutely no need for him to stay an extra two days in, in Uruguay. And mm. it's... You know, it just doesn't make any sense. It just adds to the idea that it's a club that's gone soft, that's forgotten what it takes to win, forgotten what it needs to be successful. And, you know, I, I don't think it's, you know, certainly maybe you need discipline there, but I think you just need someone to get hold of the dressing room and not just dish out rollickings, but just tell players, this is what's happening. You're paid by this club. We need your back. It's, you know, it's not necessarily a case of discipline. It's just a case of, of common sense. Every other player is returning from international duty at this time. We want your back as well. And... Yeah, that that's just how it should be. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I love Cavani, but if you look at him compared to you know, Fred was there on Saturday after you know playing in the same. I'd imagine a lot more football, but playing in this you know the same kind of international week in South America. And look at Hannibal; like he was away in December for the Arab Cup, was offered a week off, came back straight away because he wanted to train with Rangnick before he headed off again for Afcon. Was at Afcon, was eliminated last Saturday, and less than a week. I know he didn't play. I think he only played about sixty odd minutes in Afcon. But he still was there in an intense situation, um, and he was back less than a week, less than a week, and he was back on the bench. So I think it does kind of, I, you know, I look fan. He's a player. So he's like, and if he's not a legend at United, he's certainly a kind of legendary striker of the game. Scored goals wherever he's been, but it just, it just doesn't, doesn't paint a good picture of his kind of maybe his commitment to the club at present, which is a bit of a shame considering how much United fans love him. Um, but then you know, a, a striker whose commitment can't be kind of. Um, question Ty but maybe his fading quality might be a little bit you know you've written today about Ronaldo um, as Samuel mentioned there he's played really poorly against Middlesbrough um, almost Gerard-esque in his kind of desperation to correct a, a wronged um, uh, correct a mistake he hasn't scored for a bit and you know to me he just he's looking a bit more and more like a hindrance to United's attack if you look at the kind of the pace and I'm not doubting his quality and no doubt he'll go and bang one in against Burnley tomorrow on um, Tuesday but if you look at the attack United could have with how much kind of pace and uh, mobility and dynamism they could have, Ronaldo is a lot more of someone who needs to kind of be wheeled into place and isn't, doesn't make it as fluid. And, you know, you've written today about, you know, maybe it's, <laughs> he's not doing quite as well as maybe United hoped he would when they brought him in in the summer. Yeah, you know, it, it should make it clear, he's a long way from being top of the list of, of United's problems. That much <laughs> yeah, is, is clear. Um, 100%. But I think you can certainly expect more from him. I don't think he's he's scored enough goals. <clears throat> I mean, his Champions League output was obviously exceptional. Without those goals, United wouldn't be in the last 16. But in Premier League terms, I think it's 18, 18, 18. Um, he's underperforming his expected goals, which he, he hasn't done at Real Madrid or Juventus for a long time. He's not getting, I mean, he's not getting as many shots away, which is partly a function of playing a more competitive league, probably, but he's not hitting the target as often. And he just, you know, he looks... It looks mortal, I guess, in a way. Um, but United, uh, he, you know, he's the best-paid player at the club, one of the best-paid, possibly the best-paid player in the league. And I think he, it, there's certainly an argument he should be expecting more for all the arguments about his pressing, about his body language. 
if you're scoring goals, it's it's a complete irrelevance. He's, he is scoring some goals. Is he scoring enough? I would say possibly not. I think if Cavani had, if Cavani's status had been as first choice striker, would he have scored eight in eighteen this season in the Premier League? I'd say quite possibly. His his goals per ninety last year are better than Ronaldo's were this year. United spent a lot of money on on wages for Ronaldo as what should have been an upgrade to to Cavani. His biggest upgrade is his availability, really. Um, Cavani was in phenomenal form last season. He's, he's fallen off a bit this year, but part of that is possibly that he was convinced to convinced to stay an extra season to be first choice striker and experience the, the support of the fans and playing at full Old Trafford. And he's now very much second choice and hard to see where he even starts a game really unless Ronaldo is unavailable. Well, so, well, speaking of that, well, we have a Burnley on Tuesday. Um, I actually think there is a, maybe a possibility, Samuel, I don't know what you think, that maybe Ronaldo could be dropped from this one. Now, I'm not saying Ronaldo is a bad player by any means, but it's clear, you know, he's 37, turned 37 on Saturday. Age catches up to us all eventually, even someone is remarkably fit and, um, you know, uh, so on it and physically and active and looks after himself so well as Ronaldo does. But, you know, age does catch up to everyone eventually. And I think managing him is important and not starting him in every game you know, in theory, maybe even if Cavani wasn't there, there's no need really for Ronaldo to start against Middlesbrough. You could easily have started, you know, whoever else he had available, probably no one, and probably um, contradicts myself. But with Cavani back, with Lingard back, do you see Ronaldo potentially dropping this one or would you start him again um, going to Turf Moor? In what is now, like, really important game, top four race is heating up. United have fourth at the minute, but coming back into the Premier League, they need to kind of pick up where they left off before the break which, as we discussed, came at probably the worst time for him, just as they were finding some form. Yeah, uh, it, it was quite a, you know, it was an uplifting win against West Ham, and then that, that momentum was not, not taken away from them, but I think they'd have quite liked to have continued with, with the schedule after that, rather than having a, a two-week break or whatever it was. I still think Ronaldo will start, um, given Cavani's, well, brittleness, durability, whatever you want to call it, I think it's a bit much to for him to come back from Uruguay and to go straight into the into the team. Uh, I, I, to be honest, I think there might just be one change from the game on Friday. That will be in goal uh, because De Gea has obviously been the, probably the best goalkeeper in the Premier League this season, and and Henson was just just on cup commitments the other night and, and didn't really distinguish himself. Um, I thought he did in, in in regulation time during the game, made a couple of good saves. But the penalty shootout was a bit of a disaster for him. Um, after he didn't save that second penalty, I think it was, which he really should have stopped, he, he didn't seem to get anywhere near any of the other penalties. And the, the calibre of Middlesbrough's penalties was was very, very good, the majority of them. But even the ones that it, you'd say were, were saveable, he, he was he was nowhere near them. He was always going the opposite way. Um, so, you know, even on a night where, where Henderson made a couple of good saves, it, it was another... Uh, another low low moment in in a season of lows for him, and, and especially since he's going to struggle to even play again this season. Um, given that the way it's gone for him, he's only played three times. It's it's looking like it's going to be a complete write off as a season for him. But as as Ty said, until Crooks equalised, I thought United played um, played really good stuff, played really well. They also created good chances, um, probably for the remainder of, of normal time as well. I'd say uh, you know Fred. Fred had that cross for Elanga where he should have done better. There was the Fernandez sitter as well. 
So the actual performance was was pretty encouraging uh, by and large, and you wouldn't really look at that that team and think there were there, there were many places or areas that, that that they should be looking to to change for for the Burnley game, especially as, as difficult as it can be going to Burnley. Um, the reality is that they've won, I think, one game all season. Uh, I know there's they're playing catch up with, with certain fixtures, but if, if United play well at Burnley and they've got their finishing boots on, then they should win the game with relative ease. Yeah, I, I would have thought so as well. I think United have won the last three meetings between the two and won both last season. Just I think they lost two seasons ago, but <clears throat> Burnley aren't quite. The force, the force they were back then. They've seemed to, you know, this might actually finally be the year they sadly go. But Ty, again, Pogba being back, he looked tired on his return. He hasn't actually started in the league, I think, since October, since he was sent off. Um, was it against Liverpool? Liverpool was he sent it was off? Leicester. Yeah. Leicester, Leicester, that was it. And he, he yeah. missed the Liverpool game, didn't he? So, you know, he's going to be. Liverpool, yeah. Right, that was it. Yeah. So it's been it's been a while since Pogba's been in the league, and we we know he's going to leave till the end of, at the end of the season more than likely. Um, do you think he's going to be making a big impact for the for the rest of the campaign? And how you know how important will it be? Because you know new signing and all and all that jazz. Yeah, uh, I mean, I don't think he would have started had Fred not been unavailable. If Fred not tested positive for COVID, I think it would have been Fred and Fernandez. I think that's probably. The, the number eight that Ranić would have gone with. I think Fred's done really well. And actually, for about 10 or 15 minutes, did really well when he came on as well on, on Friday night and looked looked creative. He has shown in that more advanced role that he can be a, a bit of a creator. But with, with Fred out, I mean, it's pretty much got to be Pogba and Fernandez really. Um, if you if you continue to pick McTominay as the holding midfielder over Matic, I don't think Matic is going to play as a number eight. So your only option is to either play Lingard in, in one of those roles or, or move McTominay further forward. So I think the midfield with Fred out pretty much picks itself and it will be Pogba and Fernandez. I mean, Pogba scored the winner in this game last year and that was probably kind of the apex of his form for United, really. The, this time last year, he was playing really well, often off a left-wing role, was in his probably most consistent spell of form. He, he did look good on, on Friday night, albeit against Championship opposition. He's probably guaranteed two starts now this week with, with Fred Jisoo, so it's a chance to build up form and fitness. But I still think he's got a lot to do to, to make that place his own, just because the, what Fred offers, I think, is is sort of more amenable to Ranić. Mm -hmm, absolutely. So, how uh, do you think Pug was going to fit in? Was just, I, I was just going to touch on, you know, it'd only be his second game for Ranić. How, how do you think he'd fit into what Ranić is trying to do? Well, it's a good test against Burnley, I suppose, given what a physical team they are and looking at the conditions during the Watford game. If it's half, if it's half as bad on, on Tuesday night, then there might be some United players who, who don't fancy it. But I, th I thought, as, as Ty said, Pogba was very good on, um, on on Friday up until he until he came off, particularly in the first half. I thought there was a real alacrity about him. He's... His, um, his footwork was very incisive when he had the ball, when he was off the ball, he was loitering, looking to make forward runs. That was how the, the penalty came about that he won as well. But as we, we, we discussed his position and his role, I mean, we've, how often have we had this? It's not even a debate, really. It just seems as though it's an ob obligatory service with Paul Pogba that you have to discuss how he could play in, in a, under a certain manager for, for United. It's, it's one of the reasons why it's not worked out for him. But when he is on, when he's on song and when he's playing well, he's probably the best player in that whole squad. 
uh, unfortunately, that that doesn't happen often enough. I'd say the high point for him this season, as as was for as was the case for a lot of United players, was the Leeds game on on the opening weekend. But that performance, I think, in, in terms of an individual performance in the Premier League this season, that that was one of the best. And that was a day where Fernandez scored a hat trick. But you'd have argued that maybe Pogba even eclipsed him on on that occasion. And then Ronaldo comes in on bigger wages, uh, bigger social media following, bigger fanfare, and Pogba's form just happens to start going south. Um, this this what it happened when Alexis Sanchez came in as well. So, uh, you know, we've been going around in circles with, with Pogba for five and a half years. It, it will stop once we get into July because I don't think anybody expects him to, to stay at United and nobody blamed, would blame him if he did leave United. What incentive have you got to stay at United, really? I mean, even if they won, somehow won the Champions League this season, I think that would be another incentive for him to leave because he'd have been he'd be leaving on a high and his stock would probably be on the up as well at that point. But the quality of the player, when he is on it, he's he's a sight to behold, and um, it, it it was it was just quite refreshing to actually see him back the other night. I mean, it was ninety-four days since he'd last played. That previous performance was an absolute disaster at Atalanta. You you kind of had the best and worst of Pogba in two in his last two successive appearances for United. The Atalanta game it was so shamefully bad. It was. You struggled for words to describe his performance, really. Whereas against Middlesbrough, okay, it was championship opposition, but he was focused. Um, everything about him was pretty incisive and sharp, apart from the odd, there was the aberration in the first half when he got booked. But by and large, he was very, uh, he was very good. And the, the challenge now is to transmit that form to the Premier League. Yeah, absolutely. And knowing United's look, he'll probably go on to have his best six months <laughs> of his uh, six years at the club, just in time for to leave on a free in the summer. But, you know, that would certainly not be surprising at all. And should it happen and should it start at Turf Moor on Tuesday, well, you'll be able to read all about it on Manchester Evening News 4 slash Manchester United. Of course, you can get us on Twitter at Man United MEN on Facebook. Manchester United, Manchester Evening News, Manchester United. It's too many Manchesters involved to get them all in a row. But thank you very much for listening. And uh, we'll be back well, probably Wednesday out of four um, to dissect, hopefully, a United win at Burnley. And if not, well, it may well be interesting either way. So thank you very much and catch us then. Ta-ra.